Welcome to Practically Christian. I'm Jake, and I'm here with Luke. Hello. And Janelle. Hey, guys. We share conversations that help you know Jesus more deeply and follow him more faithfully. The truth is, no one has arrived at Christ's likeness. To grow in that direction, we believe you need authentic relationships and biblical theology applied to your everyday life. We hope that you are encouraged to grow and to live out the biblical truths that we discuss on this episode. Let's get practical and dive into a conversation about mortification. Hey guys, so... Um, this is just kind of a for your information. Over the summer, we are going to be putting out a podcast every two weeks instead of every week. Um, this is just so that we can kind of focus on resting a little bit. And Luke and Janelle are on sabbatical, so they can uh, rest more during that time. And we encourage you guys to find some time to take some rest as well um, throughout this. And maybe one thing that'll be helpful is you'll have two weeks to work on the applications that we give you instead of one. We will start back up doing every week um, in the future, probably like the end of August. I just want to let you guys know so that you aren't surprised when one doesn't come every week. We also want to give a shout out to Tim. He just showed up at church last Sunday and is a listener to this podcast, so that was fun to meet you, Tim. Thanks, guys. We're here to talk about mortification, like I just said, and that is a really big word. And the other day, I asked a few people, like, what questions they would have about mortification if, like, they wanted us to answer specific things. And the answer that I got was, I don't even know what that is. It sounds like someone's dying. (laughs) And so, just really quick, Luke, what is mortification and how does it play a role in sanctification, which is what we're trying to talk about overall here? Oh, no, good question. Well, and the people you talked to were right for the most part, actually. It does have to do with dying. It comes from the same root of, like, mortuary uh, mortification. Um, it comes from the idea when uh, the New Testament talks about putting to death what uh, your sin nature, what is sinful in you and your sinful desires and old ways of life. And so, actually, Paul gives this analogy of the old man um, as your old way of life and kind of the old the old person that was at the helm of the way you used to live your life before Christ. So if sanctification is full union with Christ and more letting him be the leader of your life, then mortification is this slow process of putting to death those old patterns of life and behavior that are sinful and don't reflect the way God wants you to live. I'm going to read to you from Colossians chapter 3 verses 5 through 11. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Yeah, so this is kind of where that whole idea of like putting to death comes from. Uh, it's from, you know, here and other places in, in the Bible, but why do we need to put to death these earthly things that Janelle just read about? I think of it as 
there's death that precedes life. Um, so if you are trying to grow in generosity, you can't be generous and greedy at the same time. Mm. It's actually a replacement of greed with generosity. So it's putting to death the greed and replacing it with generosity. Um, they they can't coexist really. Um, and of course there are degrees, like you're going to have some greed in your heart while you're generous. So in that sense, they do coexist, but in the other sense, as generosity increases, greed decreases. Mm-hmm. And even the power of greed maybe too in your heart and your life. Yeah. Can you explain more what you mean by like the power of greed? <laughs> yeah, I just think that our sinful tendencies to some extent exert power over us. Like our habits um, are oftentimes the ways we've made life work without depending on God. And those can be extremely powerful and very unhealthy but like it's it's how you survive i want to say like by i mean whatever sinful practices you can think of oftentimes are i think are rooted in this um there's something unhealthy in me and i'm trying to i'm looking to something besides god to fill that up and to meet that need um so i don't know like stress and eating is one for me i don't feel good about myself i don't feel good about what's going on and my reaction is to eat um And there's some kind of lie I'm buying into it in my mind and heart that's like, this is going to help or this will make me feel better. Mm. So in some ways, the the power is kind of like that. We think that this is the answer. Yeah. And the more that we go to that answer, the more we think it's the correct answer. Right. Yeah. I think that's, it's a good idea. And I think, um, one of the ideas that I was looking at was kind of that we're kind of like a house. I like this analogy. I kind of just came up with it randomly. Um, kind of actually thinking about your guys' house. Um, so if you guys don't know, Luke and Janelle bought their house, like, kind of, like, it's a very old house. And so there's been a lot of, like, fixing up along the way. True. Where we've, like, you know, knocked out part of the kitchen and then redid the whole thing and knocked out part of the bathroom and redid the whole thing. Yeah. And that's kind of been an ongoing process. Yeah. Most every room has been totally renovated. Over half of them. And... Our house was very in need of renovation when we purchased it. (laughs) And so, like, I think about, like, us or each individual person as a house, like a really run-down house that's very old because of sin. You know, we have the cracks in the walls, we have the cracks in the ceilings, we have bad piping, we have rotted beams underneath, and all of these different stuff. Um, And we, the house can't be renovated until you start ripping things out. Otherwise, it's just like, oh, look, a crack in the wall. Let's just cover over that with paint. Yeah. It's not going to fix the problem. Yeah, and the crack's just going to come back. And I think that happens a lot in people's walks with Christ is the first thing they do is cover up all those things with paint. And then five years down the road, it comes back out. And so um, kind of this idea that if when we fixed your kitchen, we had to pull out beams and wood and screws and all of these different things before we could put in the new things. I think mortification kind of like that, where us in tandem with the Holy Spirit are like ripping things out. So here's a like, question is, how does that look in our lives? How does the Holy Spirit present us with ways to mortify our sin? So are you asking like on a practical level, a practical. how does that actually occur in our lives? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because my experience has been a lot of people simplify it in different ways. So I've heard everything from 
Well, the root of ongoing sin in your life is basically just a result of your habits, your patterns, the things you do and over again. And so getting rid of those is just a process of kind of breaking bad habits and replacing those. Um, on the other hand, some people are more like, no, the problem is your heart. Like you don't love God or the things of God enough. Therefore, the answer is um, like you need God to fix your heart. You pray and you worship and you do different spiritual disciplines to give yourself a chance for God to work on your heart and change those things. And then other people kind of go to, I want to say, the mind of you need to identify the lies that you're buying into and replace those with the truth from Scripture. And my very good seminary answer is both and to that. Of, I think there's a measure of truth to all of those things, especially because God made us whole people. We're not just thinking things or feeling things. We're whole beings who have hearts and bodies and minds. And so I think ideally the Holy Spirit's work of getting rid of those things would encompass all three of those. Like I think you can have some measure, I want to say, of success by just engaging in one of those. But ideally, you're breaking bad patterns or habits um, and replacing those with good ones, which I think we're going to talk about next week. You'd be identifying the lies you're believing in your mind and letting your mind be transformed. And you'd be more and more through different spiritual disciplines and the power of community, realizing how bad those things are. And um, I want to say like desiring those things less and less over time and desiring the good things more and more. Janelle, how do you think that that would like look from the outside. Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is conviction. So that's kind of seeing the problem, kind of the confessing that there is a problem, um, seeing the cracks in the wall, if you will, before you try to plaster them over or fix them. Um, I think that's something that the Spirit does in various ways. Um, For me, that happens a lot through my words. I kind of hear my heart through my words because I'm a verbal processor. So I'll hear myself... Um, complaining or (laughs) having a bad attitude through my words and then I'm convicted that that's not where um, my heart's supposed to be that's not conformed to God's pattern and so then um, from there I can kind of take some of those steps to change um, whether that's kind of the head heart hands um, thing that Luke was talking about whether that's correcting misbeliefs Um, or taking action that maybe is against what I feel, but I know is the right action and hopefully conforming my, myself to the good through correct action, um, or through kind of that heart analysis and (laughs) trying to change my heart. And I think, I think people are wired different ways. I think some people are more wired on the brain Hmm. thinking side. Some people are more wired on the heart side and some people are more wired on the, the action side and, I think everyone needs all of them, but I think sometimes for you, one of those is going to be a stronger, um, I would say easier way to change. Mm-hmm. To start that change. And, yeah. yeah. So then here's the question. I think one of the things we don't talk about in church very often is mortification because it's kind of the negative side of what we like to talk about, which is becoming more like Christ. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that we don't talk about it or why does it seem unappealing when it's initially brought up? Death sucks. <laughs> it hurts. I think that's why I, I mean, it's one thing to say, look at this new shiny thing that you could have versus, you know, you have to declutter your house first. Or, I don't know. It's the more painful side of it. Yeah. And I, I wonder if part of it's almost taken for granted 
like we're giving like this vision of like this is who you could be in Christ because that is where you want to get to and you do want I want to say like Christ's character to be added and grown in you and that's the ultimate goal of mortification it's not like die to these things to be dead to them the end it's like die to these things so that you can live to the things of God so I think some of it's even like taken for granted of like of course you're going to have to let go of some things to get to that Mm. but we don't talk about that process of reading those out as much as we should I think you're right yeah Yeah, and I I really like um, Jonathan Edwards um, who I don't like that much as a theologian but at one point he has this quote that I really like where he said kill your sin lest it kill you and I think that's a really like good idea is eventually your you know if you're as a house eventually your house is going to fall down if you don't start dealing with the issues but I think one of the reasons it's really difficult or like we don't like talking about mortification goes back to like this house idea of projects take a lot of time and you always want to think about the finished product and you never want to think about how long it takes to get there and so like going back to you know renovating kitchen um, I remember Luke being like, yeah, this is going to be like, you know, a couple weeks. We got this. <laughs> and then it ended up, you know, we did like the destruction in that amount of time. Yeah. And I, I remember actually one week in the course of that, I was like, I always underestimate things. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write out the list of what I hope to do. I'm going to write out how much I think each project is going to take. And then I'm going to double that because I'm often so wrong. And I did that. And I still did only half of the things I thought I could realistically do in one week. Yep. And so it's like we, when we look at mortification, we want to be like, you want to put in the new tile, but you don't want to rip out the old tile because that doesn't look better. Mm-hmm. But if you just put a new tile over the old tile, it wouldn't actually fix anything, right? Um, so I just think that that's probably one of the reasons we don't like we don't like thinking about mortification it's 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 all the work with none of like the reward side of things i don't know i feel like there's some reward <laughs> i mean i feel like anything that's sinful is sinful because it's harmful <laughs> god doesn't just arbitrarily say this is sin i just randomly decided that it, it's like it's bad for you <laughs> and it's sin um so i think that there is reward to it like for instance if you're dealing with um any kind of addiction that you have and you're getting rid of it, it's maybe painful, but, but it it's is... an exciting idea to get Yeah, it's mm-hmm. rewarding, too, you know, in the sense that you are having more life, even if it feels painful in the moment, until your desires are transformed from wanting that next drink to mm-hmm. not wanting it so strongly, you know? Yeah, well, so I, I agree with that. I think what I'm trying to get at is this idea of, like, if you want to be more generous, the becoming less greedy part is not the interesting part or exciting part. It's the being more generous. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of why we fall behind. But yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. agree with that. So one of the uh, things I think that we have an issue, like, or that I have an issue with thinking, is like the idea of becoming less us as we mortify sin. And I think we can often like, we can identify ourselves with some of our sins in the idea of like either quirks or different things that are actually just sin, but we kind of relate ourselves to them. So, like, how does it look like to become more us through mortification? Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I think it is a misquote of, uh, comes from John 3, I think it is, where uh, John the baptizer says, he must increase and I must decrease. And people take that verse and make it 
apply it to themselves, I think in a weird way of saying, like, it's got to be more, I have to become more like Christ and less like myself. Uh, but my understanding is actually, no, the more like Jesus become, the more like my true self I am becoming simultaneously. That sin is not reflective of who I truly am because I'm made in the image of God. Sin is actually um, a subtraction from who I really am, not mm-hmm. part of who I really am. Yeah, I think of it as sin is distorting you. Yeah. And so... A distortion means a twisting or, you know, becoming something uglier and different than the original. And so if you are changing, getting undistorted, um, then that you're actually going back to a true self. Mm-hmm. When I like, a, we have the idea of a house, right? Every house on the Luke and Janelle street is a pretty old house for the most part. And they're all different. And they all probably have needed improvements along the way. But when they're improved, they don't look the same as each other. They're all still a unique house on their own. They just have better pieces inside, if that makes sense. Yeah, different houses, once they're renewed, they can be renewed and look completely different. Mm -hmm. The um, other analogy that I really liked that I um, heard at some point was the idea of um, a chimpanzee. And uh, this kind of goes to the idea of like pet sin, where I think we have like sins that we think we can control and that we like we have them and we're like oh yeah like that's not a real problem I do that sin in private or you know just because I get drunk on Thursday nights or whatever that doesn't affect me like I can control that sin and so I just love like this idea one of my teachers at seminary brought it up he was like yeah it's like that person who owned a pet chimpanzee and they're like, oh, yeah, this champion, chimpanzee is awesome. It's like my baby. Like, I, it eats at my dinner table. It sleeps in its bed, in my bed with me. Like, we do everything together. And then one day, that chimpanzee wakes up in the middle of the night and it rips your face off <laughs> because it's a chimpanzee and that's what they do. <laughs> and so it's like the same idea with sin is like, we can have like this pet sin that we like, we think we're controlling it. Like it, we take it with us everywhere. It eats breakfast with us. It sleeps with us. It's like our kind of like our friend or like our comfort. And we think we can control it, but eventually it's just going to try to kill you. There's not this, you, you can't control sin along the way. Yeah. yeah. I think that's like the classic, um, addict thing, right. Is to be like, well, I can quit for a week so I'm not actually addicted mm. where actually that's a confirmation that you are addicted if you're doing confirming behaviors or whatever um, you know obviously there's a concern in you that you might be addicted and you are giving yourself some measure of the illusion of control by you know taking a break for a short time so that you can go back to it and not feel bad about it mm-hmm. um, so I think that is definitely true that we tend to, to downplay the danger of the sins that we hold dear because we don't want to kill them. Mm-hmm. We want to treat them as our, our pet sins. Um, how has that looked for you? Have you guys ever had a pet sin? Yeah, I wouldn't call this a pet sin because for like forever I had struggled with pornography and wanted to get rid of it. So it wasn't like this like, oh, I think I'm in control. Um, it was like, I, I know I'm not and I hate this, but I don't like know how to work against it and have mm-hmm. a victory over it. So that's one for me. I don't know yeah. <laughs> if you want. Could you elucidate on that a little bit more? Yeah, it was just this thing where 
sort of what I was talking about before, where the danger, the need for mortification is that oftentimes those sins that are recurring in our lives are as a result of this is something you've come to lean on and depend on to make life work. So for me, it was certain emotional times especially um, where historically when I would turn to this addiction of pornography to deal emotionally with that. And it became like this emotional crutch where that's just what I would do and what I would always do and became more and more powerful over time, like it's ingrained in you. And so, um, yeah, it was this double thing where I would both hate it but keep going back to it. And so um, it was a process of... (laughs) putting that to death over a period of time. And it was also a process, uh, when I was speaking before about like the head, heart, hand thing, I think one of the reasons I'm more passionate about that is because I saw that worked out in my battle against pornography of, I can't just deal with one of these areas to get rid of this. Like I have to address it in all three aspects of like there's certain habits and times I need to address those behaviors. I also need to address my heart and I also need to address um, my thinking and these lies that I have internalized and in believing and replace those lies with truth. Yeah. So a last, last question. Um, how, like, what did that sin block out that you should have been doing or how did it make it so you couldn't do something that you should be doing? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of things like, I think for me, like when Janelle was talking about like how it is also exciting to get rid of things. Like I, I felt that way where when I was struggling with it, I almost had the sense of like, if only I could get rid of this, then everything would be better, which isn't true, but it is, it becomes like this consuming thing where you feel like it's blocking your growth and your relationship with God and your relationship with others, even to some degree, because oftentimes, at least for me, it was like this thing I was so ashamed of, I would keep secret. So, um, it blocked lots of things. It blocked openness. Um, it blocked like my feeling about if I'm able to be intimate or um, close <laughs> and felt like I like, robbed life and the joy of life in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, and I know that that sin's not as much of a pet sin, but like a sin that you struggle with. So um, on a slightly lighter note, um, though, uh, I've also dealt with like sins that I've had trouble with, you know, but I think for a good amount of time, like my pet sin was, I don't want to, I don't want to really want to use the word gluttony, but like the idea of like eating lots of sugar, <laughs> um, as like a way partly of like stress relief, um, but kind of like had in my head, like, it's okay. Like I work out a lot, like I'll be able, like it won't affect me just because I ate 70 Reese's peanut butter cups yesterday. Like that's fine because I'm not like letting that, you know, affect my like health outwardly I guess like that weird idea yeah Jake's not a chubby guy so he can put back those Reese's pieces <laughs> yes <laughs> not no. show it in the chub a hundred percent and so like it was a very unhealthy thing for me to do and I tried to cover it up for myself in like with healthy things it was like if I eat this but it's okay if I work out for two hours tomorrow then I'll be fine yeah. but I think in a lot of ways that Number one, it was harmful in it let me fail in self-control and, like, made my self-control weaker over time because I wasn't practicing it, if that makes sense. Um, And then I would say, I mean, just, like, the obvious of um, there's an obvious internal unhealth to doing that, whether it's visible on the outside or not. 
What about you, Janelle? Have you ever had a pet sin? Yeah, the one that comes to mind is actually pride. I think I'm a naturally, I would say, things come easily to me. Like, I learn easily. I, I don't know. Everything seems to come fairly easily to me compared to other people. And I think I can have, like, an unhealthy pride, but I mask it as, like, a self-confidence um, where I'm confident in myself because I know that I'm good at this or whatever, where really I'm sometimes masking laziness or... Um, mm even like a, yeah, putting myself above others, um, even though a lot of these, I want to say skills or talents were just gifted to me without any work on my part. So yeah, I would say that's probably the one that I can pretend is like a, it's just a nice pet. It's not actually hurting me until you mm-hmm. realize that I could rip your face off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how does, like, how does it get in your way of being more like Christ or how does it unhealthily get in your way? I think it's a relational barrier. I think it distances you from people to think well of yourself in an unhealthy way. Mm. Um, I think it makes you um, just have an ugly kind of pride that um, can come out in different ways. And even if you mask it pretty well, it still is affecting relationships. Like you mean, even if you don't say what you're thinking out loud to people or not, you're not bragging, you're not being arrogant out loud. It's still in your heart and it still comes out in other ways. Yeah. Or it still puts up a wall in your heart toward that other person. Even if they're not feeling the wall, they don't see the wall. It's still there in your heart. And that wall like puts up, is a barrier to deeper relationship. Yeah. And it makes it so you're less likely to learn from them or to be open hearted toward them because that pride is there. Yeah. And so I, I really like the idea of like, or I, maybe I just really like the word in tandem or tandem, where we are working with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is working with us. Um, and I like, there's a teacher at Denver Seminary who always says, um, you, uh, God does all the work, but you have to work really hard. Um, and I like that idea. It's like, God's the one who's going to mortify our sin, but he does that through the work that we do against that sin. This is 2 Timothy 2, 20-21. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So I think that this is just a really good showing of, like, the, what is the purpose of mortification of sin? It's to be ready for good work. I think there's definitely this idea throughout Scripture that God is going to use people as, like, necessary for his purposes. and But he wants to use you for good purposes, right? So Pharaoh is used for bad purposes because he's a bad dude who won't change. But Paul is telling us we should run from sin we should mortify our sin or purify ourselves so that when he wants to use us for good purposes we're able to be used for that yeah this is just a summary of something we talked about last week too but i do love that concept that's throughout the old testament and the new testament where god says be holy for i am holy and that the rationale for that is like missional for the sake of effective mission to the world of Like, I want you to be set apart, to be different from the world in a good way so that people can see you and see what I'm like and my heart 
and the kind of things I want done in the world. How does running from sin or purifying ourselves from sin, how does that prepare us to do good work? I think of it as removing obstacles to good work. So if you already have your heart and your mentality and your budget set up so that you can be generous, when that opportunity for generosity comes along, you are ready to jump on it. Whereas if you... Are living paycheck to paycheck or... Yeah, but not even that because that could just be a poverty thing. But like if you have a heart that's closed and then that opportunity comes up, you are less likely, first of all, to recognize it as something that you should be actively trying to meet. But also you're less likely to have it worked into your life that, you know, generosity is something that you want to have a value on the books too. So I don't know. I think that that's a big part of it. No, that's definitely fair. And I think... Um, like last uh, last week, we talked about the idea that God has put us from the p- place of impure to pure. He's quote unquote sanctified us. Now we have to keep working to be sanctified. But it's like God has made us a good utensil. He's made us a good pot. You don't throw crap into it. Still, you have to make sure that gets out of there. And when we do throw crap in there, whether it be through pride or gluttony or any of these different things. We need to scrape that out so that it can be used for good things. And I will say, the Holy Spirit wants to help you with that. You're mm-hmm. not on your own to scrape out the dirt. Definitely, yeah. Um, so I think that's one thing that a lot of people get wrong is they actually think of themselves as purifying themselves as opposed to working with the Spirit to do that. Mm-hmm. And then that can develop its own version of pride. Mm-hmm. Like, I clean myself up, look at me. You know, that can, that can almost mm-hmm. promote a pharisaical mentality by pharisaical I just mean earning your own (laughs) goodness and position with God as opposed to receiving that as a gift from God Um, well it kind of works like where you're not actually going to make the progress if you don't have the Holy Spirit working in tandem with you and I think that's kind of like one of the things we talked about conviction earlier, that that's part of mortification is being convicted of sin or like noticing that it's there and working on that is part of, part of the Holy Spirit going, Hey, work on this one. Now we'll work on this one later. And because I really like it, like back to the house analogy, you don't go around and do all of the house all at once, right? If you tried to repair the whole house all at once, number one, you wouldn't have anywhere to live. Um, but also it would be a lot harder to get things done. If you were like, I'm going to do this one thing in the kitchen and this one thing in the attic and this one thing in the living room. No, usually just like you, you dig in and you get rid of all of the bad tile. You don't get rid of two pieces and then go work on the piping. Yeah. Um, you get it done. And that's not to say that we're not working on multiple things at once, but it is to say that like the Holy spirit calls us, and to focus on specific things that are getting in our way at that time. Yeah, and to build off that analogy too, like Janelle and I have noticed as we've renovated our house, like it's gone from, it's almost gone room by room of like this room is awful and we're just kind of focused on like we need to fix this room because it's so awful. And then we do fix that room like, oh, this other room is not very good. But that other room isn't good and needs renovating but we didn't notice it or it didn't bug us as much until we we fixed the other room and i'm curious if you guys have had this experience i've i've gone through times where i feel like the spirit's conviction in one area of my life 
and almost to the degree of like, you need to deal with this. This is a huge mm-hmm. deal. It's like, oh man, I need to address that. And then, and then you do. And in my mind, I have this naive like idea of like, this will be like the last thing I need to work on. <laughs> and then I work through that and like the spirit's like, okay, now work on this. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> um, but it is like this, like address this, work on this. Like, okay. And then it's like, okay. And then like, there's like this conviction in my heart, like, and by the way, now this thing starts bugging me more uh, in my heart, my life. Have you guys experienced that too, or am I just weird? I mean, you are just weird, but also <laughs> I think I've experienced that like in a, in a similar way, like working on one thing, and then you you end up in some ways now that that now that that area is like fixed or better in some way. In relation, this other thing seems worse, or that other thing was connected to it. And now that you're still doing that, but not the original, you're like, oh, I guess I should deal with that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you work on a specific relationship where you're struggling, like let's say you're struggling with a relationship with a sibling, um, those relational skills that you're building are going to bleed into other relationships that you have that have similar issues. So it's um, it makes sense that they're connected. Mm-hmm. And then even like with a sibling, like if you like build that relationship with a sibling. Now that you have a good relationship with your one sibling, if you have another sibling that you have a bad relationship with, you'll go, oh, but this one's so awesome. I guess this other one can be a, as awesome mm-hmm. if I put work into it now. Crap. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of our final point, um, and I think it kind of brings it together, is we've talked about how you know you work with the Holy Spirit in tandem to mortify your sin, but how does the church as a congregation or as a corporate body, how does that work to help mortify the sin of each person? And how do I help mortify other people's sin or help them mortify their own sin? What is the role of the body in that? I think seeing other people have successes in different areas is super encouraging. If you think about groups like Al-Anon, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, a lot of the power of those groups is that you are in a community of people who say we're all broken and you're in a community of people who have some successes um, that you can look toward and have wisdom on how to achieve those successes that you might not have on your own. You might not have the hope, first of all, or the, the skills that you need and that community can build those skills in you. But I think similarly in the church, we see people in different walks of life um, that can encourage us in so many different ways because you see how much they've grown or changed or, you know, changed the trajectory of their family or um, just had successes in different areas. And the more open we are in our relationships, the more that those stories are accessible to the community so that people can be encouraged and grow. Yeah. And you, we were talking earlier about how the Holy Spirit, like, enables mortification in us and provides the strength but we also need to remember that the Holy Spirit's favorite tool is people. And so I think the community, the church community is like the main way God wants to challenge us um, and work in us. The application for this week is make a list of the sins in your life that you need to mortify, or at least the ones that are up in front of your vision right now. Um, have you convinced yourself that one of them is not bad? or that you can work on it last. So yeah, we are 
for this week, we're going to do the application. And like last week, we did the application right here in this room. So we're going to pause the recording and we are going to do the application. Um, and we will be right back to tell you about it and uh, to challenge you to do the same. Okay, so who wants to go first on their list of things? I'll go. I wrote pride, which is one that we just talked about earlier, and apathy, which is not caring basically enough. I'm not having a heart of love and care where God does have a heart of love and care. And then um, my last one is one that we actually talked about last week, but I have a tendency sometimes to be harsh or impatient. Um, I need to replace that with gentleness and patience. Um, But I was thinking about it. I think it's actually... That's like a subset of selfishness where you're putting yourself above others. And so when you have demands on you that um, are making you put yourself second and you're kind of mad about it. <laughs> so I think that's all rooted out of selfishness. So those are mine, big ones. That's good. Mine are uh, gluttony, which we talked about earlier. And specifically, I don't mean necessarily overeating, although sometimes it takes that shape, but that uh, eating to fill an emotional need. Um, mm. Yeah. To, to deal with stress or yeah um and then kind of in a similar vein like uh entertainment looking for a passive entertainment at times when i'm tired or again stressed or like almost in an escapist way like life is hard right now i want to escape numb out therefore let's watch a movie um so not entertainment's not a bad thing but my motivations oftentimes for wanting entertainment can be and then my last one um is like self-dependence um and I mean different things with that, but just this general tendency to think it's all on my shoulders when I know it's not and I know God is with me and I should be seeking his help, but just have this tendency to think it's all me. Um, so that can come out even arrogantly as pride, like look what I did, but more often like, I got to get my stuff together. It's all, yeah. So just not leaning on God and not, not realizing how much he's already helping me. Um, not being appreciative of that and thinking mm-hmm. it's all on me. Yeah. So I think mine are pride specifically in like, I don't know, intellectual things, specifically in that vein. Um, and then I think laziness or like just like not wanting to do things and just procrastinating them uh, with using other things that don't really matter nearly as much. Um, and then worry slash anxiety, um, specifically in a way that like I think ends up with lust, if that makes sense. Like, that's the, has been the go-to coping mechanism, coping mechanism which is a terrible idea. Uh, but so, like that, yeah. So, follow-up is, which one of these will you work to mortify this week? And um, in, in that is confessing it to another believer or um, the whole podcast listenership too, or or the whole podcast <laughs> listenership, um, and to pray either by yourself or with the person you confess to um, for guidance and help in working against that thing this week. So for me, I think the easiest one to work on because I have lots of opportunities with four little kids is to work on the gentleness, patience, um, selflessness part. So um, that would be mine for the week. Yeah, the one that jumps out to me, and then I'm also just realizing as I think through this, is I think 
think the gluttony and the self-dependence are actually connected in a weird way of it's often when I'm stressed out because I think it's all on my shoulders that I turn to food as like this emotional theme. So that's the one I want to work on is, um, yeah, how I respond in those moments when I'm stressed out or emotionally low and respond in a better way in those situations. Mm-hmm. No, and I think the one that I probably need to work on the most in the moment is just worry and anxiety because that one has the worst coping mechanism that goes with it, if that makes sense. Um, and just trying to figure out how to deal with that. Hopefully you also have time to make a list, a short list like this. Think about, you know, which one you might think of as a pet sin and that you need to get rid of. And then also think about what one you... Um, want to work on this week or maybe don't want to work on this week um, and confess that to someone else and no the whole podcast listenership doesn't count <laughs> you need to use someone else Luke and Janelle <laughs> um, and be able to just have that conversation and to pray about it with uh, with someone would someone would one of you guys like to close the prayer I'll pray for us God, I do pray that you would give us a heart that desires to be renovated that uh, is surrendered to the work that your spirit wants to do in each of us, that you do want to get rid of all the stuff in our life that is holding us back from being the people you created us to be, um, that is not making us more, it's making us less. God, I pray that um, you would just give us a heart that desires to be rid of those things, that you would give us the courage to address those things, to be willing to talk about those with other people, as difficult as those conversations might be, and that you would give us wisdom to know how to work against them in tandem with your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.